Today's On the Rails features beer procured from Cleveland's platform beer company, Massachusetts Springdale Beer and Grace Hill Brewing out of Providence, Rhode Island. Look, craft matters, guys. Whether that is the craft that goes into scaring the pants off of you vis-a-vis a tongue-clicking sound, or the craft that goes into a pint of beer. And the companies feature today on making top-grade singular brews that will enrich your palate and your life. As the great Anthony Bourdain might have, I say venture to parts unknown by trying any of Platform, Springdale, or Gray Sales offerings in place of whatever else you've been drinking. Visit the brewers at the breweries or visit these companies anytime on the World Wide Web, platformbeerco.com, springdalebeer.com, and graysalebrewing.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, warning. Today's episode features spoilers for any number of horror films, including A Quiet Place and Hereditary. So if you haven't seen those movies, go scar your soul by checking out those movies, but put a pin in listening to this episode. But if you're feeling brave and you're all caught up, sit back, relax, pull that pin out, maybe give us a five-star review and subscribe, and order yourself some IHOB, because it's time to ride the rails. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whenever, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we all had a Kenneth Branagh disillusionment moment. Mine was fucking Wild Wild West. Ooh. Where I went straight oh. from, like, this man is a Shakespearean god, can do no wrong, to him manning a giant fucking spider with Kevin Klein yeah. sleepwalking next to That's Will Smith. I saw that movie with the in Wicca, theaters. Wild Wild West? Yeah. Yeah. Jim West? Desperado. Desperado. Rough Rider. <laughs> Does anyone want Nada? No, no, no you don't want Nada. Nada. <laughs> Why didn't I make Will Smith gunman. drinking game rules? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Foresight really is 2020. Anything can happen. This is no longer the Willennium. <laughs> is it always is it the still? Willennium? We've got like, I think we've got a we've Wild got like 900 West. He declared it, and yeah. I think it was written years. into the Constitution. I'm not sure. Yeah. It passes oh, down to... We don't care about that anymore. Right? I mean, if there's one thing we're going to uphold, though, it's the Willennium Decree. Right. Yeah. Of, of 1999. Okay, that, that's amendment the Willennium Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I love that or I hate it, Scott. I don't know if I love it. I'd love to see, like, a sci-fi film that, like, intro- like introduces itself with, like, you know, like, the text crawl. It's like, it is the 555th year of the Willennium. And somehow it's still, a, it's, it's still a secret Cloverfield movie. That's what it is. <laughs> or that's how Ryan Johnson's going to really piss off people right. who hated The Last Jedi. He's just oh, my eight. God. <laughs> the Willennium continues apace. <laughs> the Willennium Falcon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We should all just drink to that. Yeah, we all have to drink to that. That is perfect. It happened. Oh my god, that was perfect. And so on that note, I'll cue up the Queens of the Stone Age. Let's do it. Because that's what we're going to do. We need some ominous music to underscore this. Exactly. It goes on for far too long.
know really what? Drive time <laughs> don't <one>. fail me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't fail any of us because we are moseying through some beers already on on the rails. Welcome everybody to the show that turns think tanks into drink tanks. That makes sense of a senseless world senselessly. That's the first time anyone's cheered the show. Right. <laughs> Recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> awesome, Mike. It's just our parents. <laughs> We're disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have better uses of your time? So those are our parents, and I am your host, Scott Thomas, a.k.a. Kid C. Scott's, a.k.a. Andre Iguscatla. Wow. Yeah. All right. Workshop on that one. Digging deep. Love it. Going for the topical Wowzers. stuff. Right. Wowzers is really the only <laughs> reaction to Golden State Warrior deep cut puns. Yeah. That's it. That needed to be explained to me very quickly. That's the least I can do. And joining me today, as you hear, are three of my favorite people in the world. To my immediate left, you may have seen him recently on Bull. What? Yes, or Blue Bloods. What? Oh, and you may have seen his uh, award-winning plays in the New York Fringe Festival. Stop watching me. Oh, The Brick in Brooklyn. (laughs) I've been watching and I've been reading his novelization of Mac Rogers' Steal the Stars. NPR really liked it. Eh. Best book of 2017? One of. One of. One of. Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon me. It's Nat Cassidy. Hi, everybody. Thanks Dude. for the stellar intro. Oh, my God. It's yeah. the least I can do. I got to I gotta live up to that intro now when I introduce this man at my 10 o'clock. You may have seen him in Nat Cassidy's The Temple. Yeah. Yeah. Brick in Brooklyn, it. baby. I saw it every night. I saw it all the time. I saw Very it almost constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you stage manage that show? I sure did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Reworking my intros. I'm, I'm terrified about my intro because we just met this weekend. I do what I can. <laughs> but I'll continue introducing the man I was introducing. He's also been at St. Louis Rep and Virginia Stage. And I personally enjoyed and encountered his productions as part of Happy Few Theater Company. That's so right. Truly seminal Shakespeare work there. <laughs> That's right. Airhorn. It's Eric Guild. Yeah, hey guys. And then, the woman at my 12 o'clock who I just met, she apparently stage managed the temple at the Brick in Brooklyn. And I have stage managed both of Happy Fuse shows. Both of Happy Fuse shows, (laughs) reworking my intro. (laughs) Also such sterling New Year productions as the Marx Brothers revival I'll Say She Is. That was me. She was the host of the Final Girl podcast, which covered horror films in fantastic detail, and on which Eric was a guest... So was Nat. Yeah. And so was Nat. Two parted. God damn it. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna redo a drinking game rule where I get everything wrong in the first it's five okay. minutes. It's okay. We literally just met. We literally you, just met. You have me at a disadvantage because you know so much more about my resume than like I know about yours. And I tried to, to dive deep to do your drinking game rules. It is Sarah LeHue. That's me. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone out there, and we are so thrilled that you are out here. The hundreds that are listening to this podcast. We see you in Finland. We see you in San Diego. Thank you for being here. And what on earth are we doing here? What we're doing here? Well, we're talking about horror movies in 2018. Yes, yeah. we are. Yes, we are. We're talking about everything that made this past week pop. Just like that. <laughs> and while we do it... <laughs> oh, oh, no! Did you guys hear that? <laughs> oh, we'll explain that in a minute. Guys, I brought my little sister. Oh! Oh, Charlie! Charlie! Oh, 
But we're not just talking about Charlie. We are drinking to uh, fix our trauma. Um, we're, <laughs> we're playing a drinking game that none of us know the rules to. We've all made rules for each other. Maybe I've just made some rules for Eric. Maybe Sarah's just made some rules for Nat. Who can say if we get any of the rules right, if we can guess any of them? They are off the table, and the person who guesses all the rules, should that happen, is the winner of a $10 gift card from Juice Press. I'm not Show sponsored by Juice Press. <laughs> <laughs> Recurring bits. Um, yeah, I'm not sponsored by Juice Press. I just bought a gift card. And Big fan Juice Press. <laughs> we love you and your half wheat grass shots for $10. So I'm really excited to and bestow what's that. What's the other half? It's a great question. <sighs> Yes. <laughs> Hereditary. Um, <laughs> all I have to do is say it, and we all start trembling. So if anyone can guess the rules, they win the gift card. You can play along at home. Look at the episode description. The rules are in there. But before we get to horror movies, before we get to the week, we have our very first segment. It's a little something that we like to do to kick us off by creating a positive environment. And we do that by playing something called I'll Drink to That. Yeah, boy! Yeah. This song was on a playlist for a show that I stage managed for five months, so I just immediately went back into like, oh shit, I've got to do like presets. <laughs> Tell me it was the Marx Brothers show. It was not. It was a show <laughs> at New World Temple Stages Legend. that is still running called The Imbible. So. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And if that's your all drink to that, man, go straight for it. Oh, uh, that is that is not. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll drink to that is we're going to celebrate something that's been making our lives better in the world of pop culture. Could be current. Could be something we just stumbled upon. Does anyone want to go first? Anybody? I mean, I'll go first. It's a little weird. It's you have to drink, a... actually. I know. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. This is my favorite Eric. rule. Everybody or just Eric? Just Eric. Just All right. Eric. I think both people, both times someone has had to drink, it's been exclusively me. <laughs> so <laughs> far. Um, um, well, it's not, I don't know, it's not exactly pop culture, but um, the thing that I, that uh, in this last week that really like sort of hit me the hardest that I've been thinking a lot about, and I think I mentioned it to both Nat and Sarah earlier, is um, I saw the uh, Grant Wood exhibit at the, the Whitney, which um, Grant Wood, who is a, a, a painter most famous for painting American Gothic, uh, is also from um, Iowa, which is where I'm originally from. And just sort of thinking like, oh, it's an opportunity to see this, you know, like super iconic painting and maybe some other things too. I was like really shocked at how I had like a visceral reaction to to um, to these works that I saw. And it was cool. And, and like weirdly like tangentially horror like related really well in this way that like so um and i didn't really know a whole lot about him um but but early 20th century um gay like kind of repressed yeah and but like had this like had dreams of like and like um beautiful like iowa of his childhood that he painted but like also was very conflicted about everything around him. And, and I don't know the extent to which he like could like was conscious of that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so his paintings have these like proud people working and um, 
and like being resilient and all of that, but they're also like really like oftentimes very lonely and like isolated. There's like something kind of like strange under like it reminded me a lot of like Edward Hopper, that kind of like lonely stasis. Yeah. Um, and he had a he has a painting that's called like Death on the Ridge Road. <laughs> and it's just um, it's like a car passing another car and a truck barreling down the road in the other direction. So it's like moments before this like horrific car crash that I can't get out of my mind. It's so cool. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, he's also got this painting that um, that is it's called it's like the birthplace of Herbert Hoover that was like this little shack and um, and whoever like bought the property or like the adjacent property built this big two-story house right next to it so yeah that, so that so the birthplace itself is like kind of obscured and it's this like aerial view of the area and I think it's so funny he painted all of that and then like because the actual birthplace is so um obscured he paints a guy pointing to the, <laughs> to the actual house. And it was like, it was a commission, apparently. And when he, over there. And when he painted, when he painted it, it's a, it's a really cool painting, but when he painted it, like, he presented it to the people who commissioned it, and they were like, we don't want this. And they gave it back to him. Oh, God. I just love the idea of that narrative that there were so many people going to Herbert Hoover's house and looking at the wrong one and being like, well, he lived in the mansion. It's that one. You're wrong. <laughs> Shack out back. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's Herbert really... Shack out back Hoover. Right. So, like, cup of the known. carpenter. So my, 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 I'll drink to this uh, at the cutting edge of, Pop culture is a is a <laughs> painter who was prominent in the 30s. Well done. Cheers to him. Cheers, Cheers to, to Grant Wood and the Whitney for putting that yeah. together. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. And honestly, if I can throw that up on our Instagram and Facebook, I will because that sounds like an incredible not only exhibit but that image of the the car and the truck heading. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's unreal. Give me chills just hearing about it. I um yeah no I. I took some pictures. I'll pass them along. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, pictures from the Whitney. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I'm gonna go next. <laughs> oh, that okay. actually I means... was gonna jump in, but oh, okay. Oh, lady, first. And actually, I have to drink too for oh. what just happened. Just Scott. Mm -hmm. Just Scott. Just me. Well, yeah. I, I saw my end because here's Eric talking about the Whitney, and I want to see if I can't take it real lowbrow for a second. <laughs> Is anybody watching this season of? The Bachelorette. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm not watching it. I'm still trying to get caught up from past seasons. Oh, it's been on since like, oh, four. Yeah. You've got a while. No spoilers. Oh, no spoilers. I mean, most of them don't make it, but The Bachelorette <laughs> is way more successful than The Bachelor. I'm um, actually trying to watch it this week because I'm doing a summer TV episode next week, and I know I oh, have to watch it if I'm going to have yeah. that discussion in earnest. Well, so. here we go. This season, I am really enjoying so far. It is my, I'll drink to that this week. Um, I'm actually currently missing it to be here with y'all. So What? Yeah. Sacrifices. Sacrifices have been made, man. I, I, drink, by the way. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, That's no worries. A, please. a good rule. That Whatever that was, I'll think about it. <laughs> no, but this season, I mean, it all branches off of last season of The Bachelor, which ended really terribly for the current Bachelorette, Becca. Um, and How's she doing? She's doing okay. Um, the we word got her that, on the phone. The word that she comes plays up, Charlie in Hereditary. Oh God! If only that would literally be all of my interests. Like 
meshed together. But um, <laughs> no, like because The Bachelor is like kind of where I like go to turn off my brain for an hour for 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 two hours during the week because it's just it's absolutely it's terrible television. But you get so like into it. Like mm. this Monday's episode will be week three. Like, she's got these insane, like, one person dressed up in a chicken suit to come in and impress her first out of the limo. And he's been, like, credited as, like, investment banker slash chicken in all of his cryons. <laughs> was, the, was the chicken suit provided? Did she did she have any input on the chicken suit? I don't believe she had any input on the chicken suit. But the way they come out, because they all have to come out of the limo and, like, try to impress her because they want to get the first impression rose. And, like, the first impression rose went to this guy named Garrett. And Garrett, it was recently found out, liked all of these transphobic memes on Instagram. Well, of course, Garrett. his name is Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Should have assumed that. It's like this whole thing. It's my favorite garbage TV show. It might actually just be my favorite TV show, full stop. Because when you, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because when you Golden combine, Edge because when you combine like transphobic Garrett with like last season another contestant named Becca, but with this one with a K, was reported missing <laughs> by her mother because she went to go work on a pot farm and never told anybody. Like that's right. drama. This this is an insane show and like. The fact that people are like, oh, you like it ironically. Like, no, like, this is legitimately one of my favorite comedies. Like, you get to watch the host, Chris Harrison, just become increasingly more dead inside every week. <laughs> Until finally it's, like, fantasy sweet week, and he, like, leaves out a, a handwritten letter with a skeleton t- key so they can go, like, bang in some, like, Sheridan hotel in whatever hometown they're in. Like... Highly recommend. I remember actually feeling that way about VH1's Rock of Love. Another show that I've you watched don't say. every the episode first, of. The, only the first season I, I watched, but I remember that first season being just damn gripping. It's up on Amazon now. Oh, and it, it is? is on my oh queue. My I'll oh, see shit, you guys yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is what? actively leaving as we speak. <laughs> what um, do, do you guys have any favorite like trash TV shows? I'm a big MasterChef Junior fan. Hmm. Nice. Um, I mean, it's it's great. It's really it's a really special feeling to to see like um, like Gordon Ramsay express disappointment at a child because <laughs> of like souffle making skills. <laughs> it's it's just it really warms my heart yeah. a lot. I don't actively watch this show, but I watched a bunch of them over Thanksgiving because Kat's family had them on her family in Boston, and it was Storage Wars, which I had never oh, ever watched yeah. before. And it's it's trying to both be like this kooky comedy where, oh, no, people are screwing up. But it's also it's just people shit in their storage rooms and they give it the gravitas and like stakes of any one of these shows where Mm. love is on the line, where millions of dollars on the line. And we're ultimately talking about like five hundred dollars for a CD collection and a jet ski that doesn't work. But they give it the same level of stakes. And that was hypnotic. I loved it. You know what I love about Storage Wars when I watched it? Yeah. It was like the the way that when they would go through units, they would like a, they would estimate what they could get for things, and they were like often like so ridiculously wrong. They'd be like, "Well, uh, here's a box of old VHS t- tapes. That'll be thirty bucks." Like, <laughs> like, Where? When? Like, <laughs> like, oh, here's a bunch of coat hangers. I can sell those for five dollars a piece. No, you can't. Like, I love it so much. And you know that they know at this point that it's better drama if they get it right. wrong. Yeah. So now they probably just go in and spout some numbers. $500 per hanger. That'll be great. <laughs> and, like, and like the need to make cliffhangers when like there aren't any. So they're like, 
like someone will find like a beat up violin and then it's something like maybe it's a Stradivarius. <laughs> commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and, then they, and then they go to like some famous or some like well-known appraiser and they're like, so is it? And they're like, no. no. <laughs> it says Larry's violin on the inside. <laughs> made by Larry. Larry is- Beethoven or? <laughs> this is made out of plastic. So. <laughs> I think my, the, the only, uh, initially I was like, I don't have any trash TV favorites that I can think of. And then it clicked in my head what it was. Yeah. I, I fucking vacuumed this show up, and when it was streaming, I watched it just anytime I would sit down. Deadliest Warrior. Whoa. My God, did I love that show. It was, well, it started out really interesting. Like, the first two seasons (laughs) were like, uh, oh, and it was, it was the, uh, the, the narrator of the show was, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Faramir uh, from Lord of the Rings. Oh, uh, oh, who has this oh, really gosh. Deep um, voice, and he's just like, no. Oh, so it was this, yeah, it, he's, he's the not Sean Bean uh, of, yeah. of the trilogy. David um, something, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and it would what they would do is they would pit like two uh, uh, famous warriors or like warrior tribes yeah. against each other, and they would like break down the stats. Like here are the weapons they use. Here's here's the ways that they were used. Uh, like axe one and two would be like, okay, we're gonna use these on like actual ballistic gel torsos and show you the damage that they wrought. Sometimes pig carcasses. Uh, so it would be like Maori warrior versus Celtic warrior or something like that, and who would win? Then they would. They would plug it all into a computer, all these all these factor scores, uh, and they would run a simulation like a thousand times, and then have two fight guys act out uh, the actual winner of the of the percentages battle, uh, and it would be really fascinating. They had they had some they had like a medical doctor on staff who would like talk about all the trauma oh and stuff like that, uh, and and these just like fucking weapons gearheads who were just like so happy that they were talking about their favorite toys, oh and God. then by season three. <laughs> It started to run out of people, <laughs> uh, so it devolved into like, uh, what would happen with if a vampire attacked a zombie? And uh, <laughs> I think one of the I last immediately ones, more interested. One of the last ones was like the IRA versus the Taliban. <laughs> it got to the point where you're like, you guys gotta stop. This is getting in well, real that... bad taste. <laughs> Watch the IRA's grenade explode these dummies, oh and how God. deadly can it be? That makes me think you'd like forged in fire. Have you watched that yet? No. Where they just, it's like these amateur weapons guys who are like, yeah, I'm going to build like a fucking six foot broadsword and then they do it in competition. Um, the reason why I know what it is is because I'm from upstate New York and um, a small town by my hometown, uh, which is Albany, um, Cahoes, like so much of a neighborhood in Cahoes burned down because somebody, <laughs> no, seriously, because somebody in Cahoes was like, I see them do it on that forged in fire show. I'm gonna make a sword and just like <laughs> tried to do it in his backyard and like his shed caught and then the neighborhood caught. <laughs> but, but how was the sword? I think the sword turned out okay. It was the only thing left standing. <laughs> and now if you pull it from the wreckage, you're king. You're king. You're king. The, you become Albany. mayor. <laughs> you become mayor. It's true. And then you're immediately arrested on felony charges. <laughs> Hashtag because of Albany. Okay. Don't let Trump find out about that because he's going to get that. That's going to be the new way to become president. Seriously, the sword and the stone is our next Uh, move. 
I have stuck a stone into the White House desk. <laughs> I meant a sword. Did I tell her to eat stone? Oh, God. <laughs> That's a that's a pretty good Trump. That is not pretty bad. Good. Thank you. It's, it's depressingly good. Oh shit! Yeah, like I felt just part of myself just fold in on itself to protect myself from it. Actually, um, you have to drink. Oh, <laughs> fold. The word is fold. Oh man. Uh, so who's next? Uh, I guess it's me. Absolutely. Uh, well, well, let's let's, let's cheers, cheers the Bachelorette. The Bachelorette. Oh, the Bachelorette and love. All the trash TV that we apparently have watched and need to be watching. It's yeah. a necessary oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, my I'll drink to that is I've actually been reading a shitload of really good horror books lately. No I'm, shit. I'm almost a uh, like a a fully saturated horror consumer. Like if I am watching or reading something, it's either like research for something I'm writing, which is probably going to be a horror story, or it's just some horror or horror affiliated thing. Uh, so I've been reading a lot of really good uh, pulpy horror books lately, and I've just had like this spate of really fucking good ones. Uh, one of which took me by surprise. Uh, it's, I think it's out now. I was reading the ARC of it, but I think it's been released. It's called Kill Creek. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, it's it's released on like an independent press, uh, and the author's name is Scott Thomas. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, and for a second, I was like, did that motherfucker write a book <laughs> and not mention it? Uh, and the last time that happened was when I first saw a book by Heather Graham, uh, a very famous mystery writer, who I then legitimately had to track down. Is this fucking Heather Graham? <laughs> Is Roller Girl writing paperback mysteries? It's not. It's a completely different uh, Heather Graham. That, that uh, actually, that something similar happened to me, and I'm, I'm reading the third book in the Passage trilogy right yeah. now. And um, there's a guy that I did a bunch of plays with in Salt Lake City named Paul Kiernan, who's a wonderful actor and a writer. And um, just like randomly, like, you know, like 1,700 pages into this like epic like series of books, there's like two pages where there's a guy named Paul Kiernan who just <laughs> like, he's like a scientist who like hands somebody something. But I was still was like kind of freaked out about it because like Paul Kiernan is not necessary. It's not like John Smith or right. something. It's like a, a, a yeah. But um, so did you write that book? I did not, and I'm honored that you would think I'm it's capable of that level of horror literature. Oh sure, I really want to read uh, this. It's really good. It's a it's your standard uh, haunted house setup where it's a team going into a a house that used to be really haunted, and now they're like going to investigate. Is it still haunted? Uh, very Richard Matheson, Shirley Jackson kind of setup. Uh, but the twist, and it's a really fucking enjoyable twist, is that it's a group of horror writers uh, who are going to spend a night in a haunted house for like a webcast. Uh, and so it's a, a basically like a Stephen King type, an R.L. Stein type, and like a uh, uh, Kathy Koja, Clive Barker sort of type, like the body '80s abyss line body horror kind of writer. Uh, <laughs> no, just not. I mean, do, do what you want. We all wear their glasses. Yeah, and so they wind up staying in the haunted house, and it's like uh, it becomes this really great meditation on horror and why people are drawn to write it, and and then the house winds up driving them all crazy, and it kind of manifests in their writing. It's really fucking good. That's awesome. It's yeah. one of the it, one of the reasons that I loved um, the movie Hell House LLC was I thought it was such a like I mean like. Sort of like, why didn't anybody think about doing this particular thing before of like having a haunted house movie 
about people trying to set up a haunted house. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's just something really fun about that. Um, I don't know if there are any similarities beyond that sort of like surface thing, but it, 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 it seems like there are like a lot of like kind of like meta opportunities that you don't necessarily have Big to time. like strain yourself to get to. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're just naturally set up to have these discussions because they're just a bunch of horror writers who are sitting around waiting for something scary to happen. And yeah. horror easily devolves into the meta and, and devolves is the wrong word because that has a negative connotation. Evolves. Right. Yeah. Evolves into the meta and, and, and branches off into it. I was even thinking of the new Stephen King book, which has, Drink. Oh Yeah. Which has the outsider? The outsider. Did you read it? I did. Yeah, I'm almost done. It's real good. I'm really digging it. Yeah, I really, really like it. I'll, I'll probably bring it up in conjunction with our movie discussion. Ooh. But there are so many moments, as you can attest to, Nat, where there are references to other horror properties or mm-hmm. films that have a parallel, and you know he knows you're clocking them, and he's having so much fun with it, and it never distracts from the terror. Yeah. And I'm sure it doesn't in Kill Creek, and as it definitely doesn't in Hell House LLC, yeah. right? We can actually hold that meta in conjunction with the thing that terrifies us about the story, about the property. You have to. Yeah. Because after a certain point, audiences can't help but be savvy. And if you, if you, if you aren't aware of certain rules, then it becomes... Uh, unrealistic and if it's unrealistic it's not scary so like you have to keep pushing horror to a to a point where it's acknowledging the knowledge base that we have yeah. uh, so you can't like that's that's one of my biggest problems with most zombie properties is that they still take place in a fucking universe where no one has ever seen a zombie movie before yeah and they're like what do we do with this monster for the first two acts yeah and it's yeah. like if the zombie and, apocalypse happens like, we know what's happening that's what makes Shaun of the Dead like such yeah. a perfect movie because yeah. it acknowledges like right don't say the z-word like these are mm-hmm. the tropes that we oh, have the z-word was zombie. yeah oh. i'm so glad i could help <laughs> 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 but it's funny like like as as the walking dead um goes on it's and it's goes it's on. such an end <laughs> goes on it's so it's it's amazing like it, not that I loved it like at the beginning either. I it's, did. It's such an interesting like experiment in, in doing like a really long form version of that type of story. Right. How many times um, can we have the same episode? Season six. Season six. Infinity times. Um, and and it's great how like every season they're like now they really have nothing left to lose. Right. So, like now they're really losing their right. humanity. But it also like one of the things that I found sort of interesting slash charming about the show in early seasons has just become like so irritating to me in that like every time they meet a new group of people, they all have to have their own word for mm-hmm. the zombies. Walkers, grunters, yeah. biters, <laughs> yeah. jumpers. Yeah. Like there should just be one not humans. Like, zombie. It's a zombie. <laughs> Hot take. Um, zombie. <laughs> I found this obscure movie from 1968, directed by George Romero. Perhaps we shall all watch it. But it would be great. It'd be great if 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 in an episode somebody like somebody used the word zombie, but they said it like as though they were coining the word. <laughs> yes. yes. Just this like pause and a push in like. Zombie. <laughs> and then and then he looks right into the camera and gives a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> End of series. Cut to zombie nation <laughs> over the credits. We did it. <laughs> and then all star plays. <laughs> Zomb- zombie told me. <laughs> <laughs> if The Walking Dead doesn't end that way, I'm going to be severely pissed. Yeah. It needs to end on a freeze frame. 
If it's not a freeze frame, like a what if we did it? Like, fist raise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a zombie. All the humans are dead. <laughs> Don't they just you. Look around and it's like, just wearing that fucking stupid <laughs> sheriff's hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> we got like, the last one. And then they set up like an agrarian society. You know? <laughs> the song is Don't You Forget a Zombie. <laughs> Oh. I just, <laughs> don't, I, don't 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 because because we're we're already almost all a beer in. Uh, can I make a confession that yeah. every time I hear uh, the Sarah Bareilles song "I Want to See You Be Brave," I chuckle to myself <laughs> because <laughs> I think about how great it would be if a version of that was the opening credits song to Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead that was "I Want to See You Eat Brains." <laughs> And I just get that stuck in my head every single time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It's been a great time. Well, I'm going to cheers to Kill Creek yeah, and yeah. to zombie songs. To Scott yeah. Thomas, the other. Scott Thomas, the author. Man, you, I'm going to need a new WGA name at this rate. Oh, and I have to drink again. Son of a bitch. Oh, union affiliations. Every right. time. <laughs> every time. Anytime, oh. anytime you mention AFTRA, SAG. Yahtzee. Yahtzee. Even Yahtzee. What? <laughs> Too close for comfort. <laughs> Speaking of close for comfort, I'm going to drink to that to someone that may be close to some of you. I don't know if any of us do know this guy who's my I'll drink to that. I don't, although I have friends who are Is his it pals. It's, it's yay. It's Kid <laughs> Seaghost. It almost was Kid Seaghost. I really, I, I just really. I for the first time today, and I loved it. I fucking love it. It made me sort of angry how much I loved it just because, like, all of the like recent sort of like mm-hmm. uh, Kanye hijinks have made me like not wanna like him, but it's it's so good. It, it's oh man, I, I gotta do I, I gotta hot take Kanye now. If we're, yeah. if, we're if we're talking about it, they, there's this yeah oh sweet yeah. So like like the weird two weird thoughts I had about that record this week. One, if it didn't follow Ye, if it wasn't a week removed from Ye, and it had been in Ye's place. If we got Daytona and then we get Kids See Ghosts, not only would the narrative be so different concerning Mm -hmm. Kanye right now, but we would be heralding that album as a genuine, not even just Life of Pablo successor, but maybe a My Dark Twisted Fantasy successor. I think it's it's Technicolor in a way that Yeezus and Pablo aren't really because of the crassness of the latter and the the sort of garbage pale rock of the the former. And I think that says a lot about where we are with our interpretation of Kanye West as a cultural force. Mm. Because to me, it his politics, as reprehensible as some of them have been, that shouldn't take away from the accomplishment of the album. And it's crazy to me that it's like, man, I'm glad he got a win with this one. His last three weeks, he put out an album that he wrote two weeks after having a meltdown, mm-hmm. which in its own way is a crazy thing for a pop star to do. It's kind of what I want a pop star of his stature to do, to try something totally different. And he produced what is probably my rap record of the year in Daytona, which, yeah. I, which I think is, yeah. it's so good. So it's so weird to me that, and it's not weird because I felt the same, I did the exact same thing when I listened to it. Mm-hmm. I put on Kids See Ghost, I was like, yeah, this is okay. This is fine, and then I kept going back. I'm like, "What am I talking about? This is am- <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, this is actually all is. I ever wanted from the dude." Um, so it's it, it's so interesting that that's the wrestling match we're having with him right now, and we have two albums two to, to go. go. Yep. Yeah. We have two records to go. Yep. He is whatever else Kanye is winning. <laughs> he's, he's he's got the DT Association so much winning right now, and it's. 
nuts. I have no idea what's happening. And I, I'm like at the point where I'm trying to back off and be like, I'm along for the ride. And yeah. please don't say anything else about slavery for the love of fuck. <laughs> please just stop. You and Kim Kardashian. <clears throat> Who got a woman pardoned this week? Yeah. Actually. Well, not Alice. pardoned. Oh, right. Clemency. Yeah. Clemency. Yeah. Pardons go to the w- rich white people. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get out of jail, but you still can't vote or probably right. get a job because you've got a felony on your record because <laughs> uh, you're not a celebrity. Right. Yeah. I, I would have loved to be there in the room where both Kim and Donald tried to use the word clemency. <laughs> <laughs> like just back to back to back. Just comes out Clementine and they're talking about yeah. all <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hot take, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna think about it every time. I guarantee. It's true. I can't wait. I can't wait. And speaking of eating brains and horror, that's my smooth transition. I'm, oh, but I'm, who's your old drink to that? My old drink to that is Logan Marshall Green and Upgrade. Oh yeah. 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 I want to see it. that. So I have not bad. seen that yet. Yeah. It is so worth seeing. Holy fuck! Movie Pass, bless you. I got blindsided by that movie because it was a Movie Pass option. Yeah. Um, um, Eric and I were talking about this when we were waiting to see uh, Hereditary that. With movie pass, sometimes you go to movies you might not ordinarily go to. There was a two o'clock showing. I thought, yeah, I like some of Lee Wannell's stuff. I like it a whole lot. I think some of the Saw movies are fantastic mm. for what they are. It's such a backhanded compliment, <laughs> but I really, I really. Oh, we can talk about the Saws. Oh yeah, I've seen all eight of them. Heck yeah, I have too. Oh, Absolutely. And the first one is actually a seminal viewing experience for me. I will never forget seeing the first one. In that it's very sticky. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's coated with grime. I want to play a game. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Game over. (laughs) (laughs) But it's Lee Wendell who wrote the Saw movies, uh, has directed some of the Insidious films, writer of the Insidious films. I think actually as a writer, he's got a fascinating filmography, all the franchises he's piloted. And I think he wrote, if I'm not mistaken, the Death Sentence film that James Wan directed to, which is the Death Wish. I believe he did. With Kevin Yeah. 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 Which actually has its moments. And this is not only my favorite script of his, he directs the hell of it. And a lot of that comes down to clear clear storytelling choices that he makes and Logan Marshall Green's performance in this film. Mm. We all have a theater background. We all know what it is to create a really intense and specific movement for a character. And I think the amount of times that I've seen that on film in a non-motion capture way, say in the last decade or two, that really startle me. I can maybe count on one hand, if at all. Mm. And I'm thinking of RoboCop as one. (laughs) It's one of the first ones I go to. Yeah, I've heard a lot of comparisons to RoboCop with Upgrade. And he has no suit. That's the thing that's incredible, right? It's uh, for for those who don't know or haven't seen the movie, it centers on Logan Marshall Green's character getting horrifically injured and his wife murdered, and a reclusive tech giant puts an implant into him that not only heals his body, it gives him strength. It gives him extra senses, and he doesn't move like a normal human. He moves like someone that is being controlled by a cybernetic force. But there's nothing covering him a la the RoboCop suit. He's in normal street clothes. Mm. And he's doing this incredible, exaggerated series of movements that make him look controlled by a chip. And then without getting into spoilers, there's moments when the movements become more human 
and then suddenly Bruce Lee-esque, and where he has to play against the type of the movement, startled by his sudden martial arts acumen, and when he has to be deeply vulnerable and very casually human, and uh, human, more human than human. I went to Juilliard. Um, <laughs> did, you do, did you do Rob Zombie? <laughs> Rob yeah. Zombie were, were you in your Dracula at the time? <laughs> at the time, I watched it in my Dracula on the drop-down screen. Um, but I just thought, like, not only does this movie not work without him, very few people are going to realize quite how brave a performance that was. I'm thinking of this guy on set having to commit to a performance like this and trust that it's being captured, trust that all the movements are being recognized for what they are, the work that must have gone in before he shows up on set, because as we all know, you're not doing the rehearsal work Uh the same way you would a a play. And it felt specific to a capital T. And I sat there... So so specific, not neutral. Specific. So specific. <laughs> well, it's amazing. It's great. It's great when when something like that can be said about a performance by an actor who it's like it's not like it's not like he's known for being like physical, like sticky guy or no. something. Like he does like yeah. really like grounded subtle work. Like the invitation, he's phenomenal. Oh, so good in that. Unreal. Well, I've been. I, I mean, like, and I I don't know him. I did meet him once, and I, all I remember was that. Um, he was very nice and that I was sort of weird because I was a gigantic fan of the OC. And he, <laughs> and he was the second actor to play the the older brother. It was a different, it was a different guy in the pilot, but then right. Logan took over for the big meaty storyline. And uh, Logan Marshall Green. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, and, and I I feel but like um like it was it was a very funny thing for me to be like, I'm being weird because I like the like Teen show that he's on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Own it. Yeah. Just yeah. live your feel, it, it, uh, Bouncing off of what you just said, too, I feel like Alex Wolf in Hereditary is like that, too. Like, yeah. Like, Naked Brothers Band is what he's known for. Mm-hmm. Wait, like, is yeah. that what he's known for? Yeah, from what yeah, I remember. It's, it's, what is it, a Disney Channel show? Yeah. yeah. And that fucking performance is balls to the wall. Great. Yeah, oh, my God. Commits to it. Jeez. Oh, and my also, God. Um, By the way, uh, we all have to drink. Uh, yeah. What's her name who plays? Charlie, uh, Millie, Millie yeah. something, yeah, yeah like being like a, a, a musical theater actress <laughs> with a with a with a Tony. Yeah, like all those yeah. Matilda kids got a Tony, right? For was she in the like, original It was cast? a special award, I think. Yeah, yeah, nice. Captain Calm. Oh my God. I had no, I had right. no idea about any of that. Yeah, they gave all of them the Tony, and the big thing was that they didn't do that for um. Oh God, what was it? The the Billy Bell, Elliot. Billy Elliot. They didn't Ballet. do that for the Billy Elliots, but all the Matildas got a Tony. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you have to drink twice. <laughs> Anytime you reference a kid who dances from a steel town, you gotta drink. <laughs> you gotta drink. Oh, man. House rules. And, and and to tie it up, Sarah, under your breath, I heard you mention Tom Hardy. And He's Bobo Tom Hardy. And like the thing is, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no. But like when I saw, I think I saw the trailers for Venom and Upgrade back to back. And I was like, oh, these are, this is like the, 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 Real, the real release, and then like the knockoff Walmart mm. version, almost, and like the Dante's I'm, Peak and the volcano. Exactly, because it's two movies where it's like two white guy actors who look remarkably similar, um, playing essentially the same kind of like, you know, good guy taken over by force outside of him in order to save him. Um, that being said, I'm way more interested in Upgrade just because it looks 
better. Like, mm. just even as a movie, it looks yeah. better. The Venom movie looks kind of like garbage. And I'm, it looks, it looks like the knockoff. It looks like like when you go to like a like a bodega and you see like a like a knockoff like Spider Man toy, but it's called like Bug Person. <laughs> 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 it looks like the movie right. equivalent of that. And maybe it'll be great, but uh, it's the I'm asylum like, version. And, like yeah. Tom Hardy, <laughs> Tom Hardy, who I love. I have figureizers. I have just a deep love for Tom Hardy for like. All of the shit, like since yeah. since Inception, and then I went back and saw his early stuff. I love that mumble mouth Brit so much. Well, we're born in darkness. He's got a lovely voice, but uh, <laughs> but I I adore him and his 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 American accent in that movie. Oh, ooh, his, I, his weird ooh, like New York Massachusetts. Ooh, it, it's like it's all <laughs> from here, and it's no, like fucking Eddie Brock over here. Yeah. He's from all five boroughs at <laughs> once somehow. <laughs> all five boroughs and New Jersey and yeah. like Southie. <laughs> I said this on another podcast. Uh, we hard harden it. Who are our friends of the show? I worry that Venom is going to be Tom Hardy's. Al Pacino in Scent on a Woman, which is to say the moment Ooh. where his acting career coalesces into I'm a series of cliches. So it's just that. like the exaggerated vocal thing, the physical walk thing, and a movie that we all come to realize is shitty no if, matter how it does at the box office. If that means that we get a, a Tom Hardy uh, devil's advocate, then I'm <laughs> yes. my, yes. my favorite thing about the Venom trailer is um, Jenny Slate, who, yeah. I, who I love, and I love Who's how... symbiote? Yeah, I love, <laughs> exactly. I love how carefully she says it. Like, you, you can you can see her practicing saying it every... Because I think she says it twice yeah. or maybe even three times she in the trailer. She says it multiple times in the trailer and, and it's always shit it's on so carefully said each time. Yeah. Symbiote. <laughs> I'm I so excited. It. I love Venom. Venom's one of my favorite characters because uh, he's one of the closest things to like a horror monster in yeah. fucking in Marvel. Yes. So I'm ex- I'm on board. I'll see it. I'm on board. I'm I- I'm excited for it because I I sort of have this secret hope that even though that this is a Sony picture and the new Tom Holland Spider-Man are in- Spider-Man. Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. Mr. Are- Mr. Spider-Man. Of the Mr. Connecticut Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the new Spider-Man movies are part of like the MCU. I just want this Sony movie to be like the backdoor pilot almost for like the Spider-Man versus Men- Venom movie, which I deeply want. Oh, I, I hope it's like Carnage versus Venom. Yeah. I, hope it's, yeah. I hope it's Maximum Carnage. Oh, it's awesome. oh if yeah. it was Maximum Carnage, I would lose my mind. I really would. <laughs> Yeah, although uh, we were talking about this earlier, like one problem that I do have with, and this is just like a comic book thing, um, but I feel like it has appeared in like many of the of the Marvel films. Mm. It like for some reason it really gets on my nerves that um, oftentimes like the villain is just like a sort of like skin change of the hero, like like, yeah. like the Hulk villain is like slightly different Hulk, and like Iron Man villain is like a d- different. Like Iron Man, yeah. and 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 There's I mean, so many like mirrors going on of like, Ooh, yeah, this and guy's like, you bad, <laughs> exactly, and like Spider Man, Venom, like I don't know, I I loved that dynamic when I was a kid, so I'm a little more forgiving of it, but it is kind of the same thing, um, and it's absolutely, and it's one of the things that I love about movies like. Well, like, it's one of the things that I've really appreciated about, like, Deadpool 2, where I'm like, mm. oh, it's not, like, other Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's just a CGI deus ex machina. Right. Is, yeah. Yeah. Great. And, uh, and, and also great, Logan Marshall Green. We'll drink to you, yeah. sir. Yeah. Drink to you. And with that, too, we will move on to our next segment, which we'll try to get through in, like, 12 minutes, because we got horror movies to discuss. But we can't do this show 
without taking a look at what made the week pop. So we're going to do a little weekly rewind. Every day is Steve Carell shouting, No God. (laughs) I don't want to say especially this week because I feel like every time I do this, Mm -hmm. I say especially this week and hashtag especially this week. Yeah, that's just the world we're living in now, isn't it? It is. Is this going to be the worst week? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like how, how allergens, like every. Every year they're like, this is the worst year for allergies. And it seems like a <laughs> it seems like a fake thing, but actually because of global warming, right. it actually is the worst year <laughs> yeah, for allergies every single year. And, the and worst. like now we have the benefit of having like the the like sociopolitical version. Right. What a time to be alive. Yeah. 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 And well and the thing that I hope, and it's one of the reasons that I try to do this segment, is I hope that sometimes pulling back to seven days can either help lessen the blow mm. or at least contextualize it. It's one of the nice things that John Oliver does, quite frankly, with that program as opposed to someone like Trevor Noah or yeah. Seth Myers has got to do it every day. Right. And my hope would be that pain, like the actual presence of pain, is not as much a unifying factor for the week as it was this week. I was thinking it's practically bookended by the deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, dealing with people's private pain versus personal persona. The the pain that, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Donald Trump must feel by being rejected by an NFL team and an NBA team. So he's like, well, you're not coming to my house. (laughs) Like, even he... I. I don't know how that could cause him pain. I really yeah. don't. But I genuinely think the dude's hurt, which just... Oh, yeah. <sighs> he's, he's such a thin-skinned person, and you know that that is... We're just witnessing a lifetime of resentment constantly he's lashing yeah, he's, out. He's, he's, he's a kid from Queens who yeah. wants to show everybody the only, that they're wrong. The only reason yeah. he wanted to be fucking president, besides profiting off of it, was, <laughs> was that it's a fucking... It's a club where, like, the hoity-toity people go, the fucking New York Times readers that have rejected him his whole life, so he's like, I'll yeah. fuck fucking show you yeah. and then be awful at it. And it's a sad game when you're playing the we don't want to come to your house. Fine, you weren't invited. That's yeah. the kind of shit I used to do in grade school. And I would have thought we were beyond that, but we are not at all. And I wish there was a way we could flip the script so that it was about a discussion of empathy as right. opposed to a discussion of like, fuck you, fuck you. Which is where that's, it's... that's. Dr- what drives me the craziest? Uh, it's it's where it, I'm a uh, for people that don't know me, I'm a I'm a I'm an obsessive news consumer, and I used to do like a digest on Facebook every week uh, after the election of like here's all the things that have gone on that you might have missed and stuff like that. And I actually had to stop because I was breaking out in hives doing it. Were, like you, just, were you actually? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I believe to, that. I had to go to the hospital, well, and they were long posts because yeah, there was, was like... always a lot yeah. to add to the list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but but one of the things that uh, is really getting to me in this new dynamic is that, uh, like you're saying with the, that that is so 
so obviously juvenile, that response. Like, it's it's objectively juvenile to look at that statement that literally says, like, they would, uh, he demanded that they kneel and they wouldn't kneel, and so they're not invited and we're going to have an American night or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, like, he didn't know he the words. Didn't know right, the words. he didn't know the words, and, and he never has known the words. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, but the fact that, like, it's, they're, what, what I... As my stammering even fucking professes, I, I am so frustrated and deeply distressed by the lack of an ability to even acknowledge surface truths. Mm-hmm. And so we're living in this dynamic where we're constantly being gaslit. Because, like, we'll just hear from fucking 30% of the populace and, you know, a few very loud voices in the media that what you just saw did not happen. It did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're having a Patriot night where we're just going to, you know, play fucking Len Greenwood and uh, have, you know, some saluting going on. And they weren't invited uh, because they all wanted to kneel. Even though like, none of them fucking kneeled. No, the, the Eagles, Eagles never, didn't, no. didn't do that. Uh, but, like, that is our dynamic now, that we're constantly just seeing something. We all recognize this behavior on the left side, on the right side, in the center of the spectrum. We all recognize it, but we now have to then have a debate over whether or not we're even fucking seeing it. Uh, and it's this deeply, deeply existential place to be living in where it's like, I don't even know what is reality anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I like horror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly. And, 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 and to your point too, what, what's fascinating, and I wonder sometimes if, and I mean this in a, in a way that shouldn't be critical so much as like, how do we break it? That we're part of the problem in the sense that like, we are all fairly smart people in this room. Mm-hmm. And so part of our instinct, right, is to use our intellect to digest what we're seeing. Right. And I feel that's starting to translate into a dynamic where it's not that we give him the benefit of the doubt, but we're now applying intellect we're applying intellectual reason to things that should be primal gut responses. Mm-hmm. Where we just go, no, that makes no sense. And instead we're going, well, does it make no sense? Yeah. What if we pause what for is a second? Sense, really? Yeah. And we're getting dis- <laughs> Disconnected from that primal place. And actually, your point of that's why you love horror. I wonder if that is one of the reasons that we need horror movies right now to give us that literal gut <coughs> check to like, oh, oh sorry, yeah. sorry. Also, like, you were on a roll. Oh, uh, no, no, you were just actually you have to drink for like twice or three no. times. I know, it's, yeah. But you, I didn't want to interrupt it. But, but that we, we need that now to re-engage with yeah. some of that really nasty underbelly stuff because we've actually moved that to the surface. Uh, I think it's Dan Harmon talks about that any good story has um, the, like the house itself and then the basement. Mm. And any good story is aware of the shit that's lurking in the basement and also the house that's pristine and fine and, and great tales are aware of both and bring the basement to the surface and vice versa. Yeah. And our basement is living in the kitchen and it's going through the refrigerator. So I I kind of (laughs) wonder if like the genre of horror now reminds us, hey, this stuff is basement shit. Don't forget. Like you need to know that. Or sometimes attic. Or sometimes attic. (laughs) Attic is a case, baby. Uh, Yeah, no, it's so true. And like one of the, one of the biggest things that I love about the genre and there are, there are many things uh, but one of the biggest things is that it is such an empathy generator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. mean, all art is. That's the whole fucking part, point of art is to to engender empathy and to feel somebody else's journey yes. and to feel that change you indirectly. Uh, but I, I think horror is such a great... 
<laughs> I'm always having to find a new way to phrase this because I'm also a horror playwright, and as a playwright, you're right. always writing artistic statements and trying to say the same thing over and over again in a different way. Uh, uh, but like I, I have started, I've taken to call, uh, calling it that uh, horror is a great Trojan horse for uh, uh, like actual issues that are happening. It's one of it's audiences in general I think discovered that with Get Out uh, which was like an epiphany for some people of like yeah. oh my god horror can be about other things yeah. uh, uh, and you know us w- horror fans smile and nod and go yeah it can I wonder, if, I wonder if that could be somehow related to the fact that I feel like horror more than almost any other genre has an almost infinite it seems set of like sub-genres mm-hmm. like it can mm-hmm. be classified so much in terms of like I mean not just like the different types of things going like it's not just like vampire yeah. zombie whatever but that there are um that there's like the psychological uh kind there's like uh body horror that that it, it just seems like there are so many categories and and so many people like express preferences and yeah. i think i mean i i haven't really thought about this before but i i i think maybe to some extent each sort of area of the pool does have its own like particular obsessions. Yeah. Um, to the point, I'll go. I'll go even farther and say that I. It is my opinion. I'm of the opinion that every single good story is a horror story mm-hmm. at heart because it's just all about loss and fear and what is fear, but it's high stakes. And so, like, it can be a horror story yeah. about, uh, you know, never finding love, or it can be a horror story about, you know, winding up in a tiny house in Texas and being you know, hammered to death and then put on a, a spike and eaten by a family. Uh, uh, oh, you're wearing a shirt that says uh, yeah. free hugs. Yeah. Oh, we're throwing face. that on the Instagram. It's so good. <laughs> Gunner Hansen. R.I.P. Recently gone. Yeah, right? Oh. Right in memoriam. Yeah. Oh, drink to Gunner Hansen. To Gunner. Gunner. And I think to your point, though, it's funny. When I was when I was compiling my list of horror properties that came out this year, because I, I wanted to try to all have it sort of closely organized, you know, sure. and a nice group, I realized there was a bunch of things I was bringing in that I was going, is this horror? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes for 15 minutes. Or yes, yeah. this moment is deeply horrifying. And I think that speaks to what you're saying of everything is or can be a horror story. And it's amazing how many properties are skirting the line of horror. Yeah. Is Handmaid's Tale a horror show? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> uh, do, uh, is it being covered on Bloody Disgusting or Dread Central? No. Like, yeah, like right. the, the horror writers are not covering that, but it absolutely is a horror show. It's one of the ways that you know Hereditary is going to be in the cultural conversation for a while because already the think pieces are coming out of, actually it's a thriller. Oh, or, God. And it's like, a drama uh, with supernatural I mean, elements. I don't, don't want to like, jump ahead, but that's, that's my uh, that's your, your that's your that's, bad news. That's my bad news one. <laughs> <laughs> Stick a pin in that. So we're gonna come back to that. Well, you know what? We are already like knee deep in the horror discussion. So <laughs> that's I how think... bad this week was. That's how bad just, this week. Like, that's let's how just bad avoid this week it and was. talk about yeah. it. <laughs> but I do. I Someone do think, like quickly say that like I I I was very sad by the the deaths of uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. This week. Yeah, I gotta yeah. say that I was really um, as someone who who kind of left social media for a while and now um, tend to be a little more of someone who who reads more than writes on social media. I was really um, moved by the number of people who had like really personal things to say mm. about uh, Bourdain in particular, at least yes. in my thread. Like, I mean, it was it was almost at the level of like when when like Prince died, and yeah. I was not yeah. I, I was not expecting. 
um, and was very like moved at at how much he meant to so many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I love um, him and his work, and um, uh, and and at the same time wasn't sure. Like, it, you know, he wasn't someone that I like talked to my friends about, like Anthony Bourdain. Uh, in the way that uh, you do with like a famous musician necessarily. And so it, it, it came as like, um, yeah, a really uh, surprising thing to just see it like covered every single post for yeah. like the 36 hours afterwards. And, and I'll, I'll add this too, because it's funny. I had the experience of mourning him more than I thought I would have, because yeah. it's not like I watched his show so often and I read Kitchen Confidential, but it had been ages. And I think I'd actually read Get Jiro, his comic book. Like I was mm. not a deep, cut Bourdain guy but I found myself mourning him a lot and the thought that occurred to me somewhere in the talking with friends about him and trying to hold people's grief was he was one of our very few public explorers mm -hmm. like our generation hasn't had that many people who visibly go right. out and try to expand horizons in the world right yeah. so much empathy and a guy whose entire body of work spoke to getting to know other people not in a way where culture was getting co-opted but shared and loved yeah. and understood and that kind of light leaving and is, he was such a a great like I don't I don't know what the term would be but like an anti-classicist he was like you'll get your best fucking meals at that dive restaurant around the corner for like five bucks and don't discriminate it that's that's exactly right because I'm I, I'm a huge Bourdain fan like yeah. I've read his I've read Kitchen Confidential I've read A Cook's Tour I've read you know his his body of work his, his non-fiction I should say I haven't read Bone in the Throat yet but um and like for those that know me and uh, fairly well, like I struggle with anxiety, like that's like my my jam. Um, <laughs> but um, what up? Um, but like the way I can cope with it sometimes is like by the TV shows I watch, like to to gain some of that comfort and like I sort of gravitate to like the nonfiction shows because I can just sort of lose myself in like the the real life storytelling of somebody else. And no reservations and a cook's tour were very much like that for me. Mm. So, like, to see him go, it was, like, it was an unexpected blow. And, like, Eric mentioned Prince. For me, it was very akin to, like, when Bowie died. Because, like, I had never, like, had the concept of, like, Bowie could die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then when I woke up to the news that Bourdain had passed, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, and for it to be a suicide, too, for, I And think for it is... to be a suicide when, like, his public persona, I mean, nobody knows the internal, right? But, right. like, when his public persona seemed like he was, he seemed happy with Asia Argento, and he has a young daughter, and, and he's like... He's so smart. He's so... Traveled. So smart, and so traveled, and can go from, like, these, you know, 140 menu item extravagant, like, meals at the French Laundry, and, like, go through all of this, and, like, his best friend is Eric Repair, and then you can go to, like, he can go to Coney Island and have, like, a hot dog at Nathan's be like, this is a fucking good hot dog, and there's I'm going to tell you why. There's a, there's, a, there's a place in my neighborhood, I live in Jackson Heights, there's a place in my neighborhood that's incredible that I only know about yeah. because uh, because he went there for uh, for his show, huh. and it's a it's a it's a dumpling place that's like in the back of like a watch shop. Yeah, that there's just this busy street, and um, there's like a little sign that says Tibetan fast food, just sort of like <laughs> off to the side, and that's the only way that you would know anything about it. And yeah. people, I walked by, I walked down that street 
weekly for like a year and a half and then turned on an episode of his show that was like, oh, this is my neighborhood, cool. And um, and there it was. <laughs> um, and it's amazing that he could that he could seek out those places and that he could do so while also um, being like an advocate for so many communities yeah. and like really, really stepping it up, talking about like how much of the restaurant industry is run by um, like lives and dies off of the labor of underpaid Latino workers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, and then like while at the same time, um, you know, quoting Joseph Conrad and like um, yeah. and yeah. talking about uh, like his favorite like place in Laos mm. um, is just like an incredible like poet's heart and like yeah. a, like a real like truth seeker. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but the depression does not discriminate any no. of those things. No, no. And I, 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 you know, again, not to politicize anything, which I, I'm absolutely not trying to do, but I think there's like an ad, I think one of the reasons why it's hitting so hard is it's just a really fucking hard time to be alive yeah. and to see yeah. people that we admire uh, struggle also. It's the, it's this reminder that like we are also all struggling and like it it, be, it takes totally. it can take your mind to a scary place. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think and 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 to try and not politicize it, but also politicize it just a little. Yeah. In this moment, is I there are plenty of things I hope people would would take away from his death. If if one of them, maybe the most obvious, being explore live with empathy. There are a yeah. lot of really mm -hmm. positive, not political things to take away from the way Anthony Bourdain lived that are incredible. The one that I hope would maybe inform the political discussion is getting really specific about how we talk about mental illness mm -hmm. yes. because yeah. so many people are going, but he seemed right. yeah. so great and he had this life and that's not the opposite of mental illness. Exactly. That's not... Uh, I'm not the kind of person who knows enough to be able to discuss it in clinical detail. And my partner is a therapist, and I know that's not how it works. Mm. It's There yeah. are so many ways that anxiety, depression, mental illnesses can function in a person. Right. And help takes many different forms. Professional help takes many different forms. And if we can... And it needs fucking funding. And it needs so no. much funding. Yeah. Amen to that. And so if there is some way that this helps us uh -huh. find new depths in that conversation on a national level, I would be forever grateful. Right. Truly. Um, so I will cheers to Anthony Bourdain. Cheers yeah. to Anthony Bourdain. And the horror of living. Right. As we start talking about the horror genre, because we're doing a little deep dive on horror. Oh, what's this music? 2018. Is it the Monster Mash? I wish it was the Monster Mash. I went with something legitimately frightening. Ooh, ooh! I feel like it, it was not that long ago that I that I read, and um, it, I think it's probably been around for a while. But the thing that really upsetting truth that the Monster Mash is something that nobody will ever hear yeah. because the Monster Mash yeah. is just a song about it's a song about the time because they're describing that, the yeah. that they did the Monster Mash. <laughs> so it's just this mysterious thing that we'll never we'll never. The song they Monster Mash is not the song they were dancing to. No, it's like tribute. It's yeah, like, it's exactly like tribute. It's exactly yeah. it. that's <laughs> the best contrast to the score from A Quiet Place that yeah. I could have ever imagined. <laughs> oh, Quiet Place. They did the mash. They did the Monster Mash. <laughs> really quietly, because otherwise they got eaten by some fucking skull creatures. In my I, <laughs> a Quiet Place was really fun. Um, I the. The one, the one issue that I had with it was that the moment where they go like down into the place and he's like, it's okay, like we're down here now. And you think like, 
you should spend more time down there. <laughs> like, instead of making your little, like, ash pads yeah. through the fields and all of that, I'm like, maybe, like... It's a real, why don't they make the plan out of the black box moment? Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my, my buddy Max pointed out, like, he went, okay, so it's been apparently a bunch of months, maybe even a bunch of years. Do we really need to keep holding our fingers up to our mouths yeah. going, shh? Yeah. yeah. Like, who is that for? We've got trailers to film. Come on. Yeah, come on, man. Um, but Quiet Place, one of the movies that came out this year, yeah, and yeah. in these recent last two years, and and so one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode was a to show off all the people in this room because we are all massive horror fans. Yes, yeah. Sarah, you too. I know I just <laughs> met you, but you obviously know your shit. Oh. But as I was looking at the slate of stuff that had come out already. And not off the top of my head, because I made a list. Here here are the ones that I isolated. I made a list, too. You made a list, too? Yeah. Oh, shit. So I've got for 2018, <laughs> just even with movies, I got A Quiet Place and Hereditary as, like, the A tier. Mm. And the, totally. the, the gradient for that being commercial success, artistic success, cultural impact. Uh, beyond that, I would add Annihilation to that list. And I was the, and I haven't seen it yet, ah, which is where no. I had that one moment of I can't yeah. put it on there, yeah. but I know I it belongs for it. there. I'll vouch for it. I can That's... vouch for it too. That movie, the third act in that is comparable to the third act in Hereditary for oh, how yeah. uncomfortable. Tony Collette shows up. It's really <laughs> it's She's just screaming the yeah. whole time. She's actually the creature. Oh, should we do a spoiler warning for Hereditary? Yes, I'm actually going to record one before oh, okay. the beginning of the episode, but I will re-remind people, we are probably going to go into spoilers for many of these properties, so turn away now if you don't want anything spoiled. Skip to the your cutoff section. But also, any good horror movie is experiential anyway, so you can have certain elements of the plot spoiled, I'm sure, and you'll still enjoy them. It's a really good point. Yeah. I don't think to, to just dive right and rip that band-aid off that if you told me about Charlie losing her fucking head <laughs> against the side of a pole that I would be any less horrified by the execution yeah. in that ants. movie and I have oh. to drink oh. the ants oh, son of a bitch. so many ants mm. We're drinking with you in solidarity. I really <laughs> appreciate that. You were like, I have to drink, and we were like, so do we. And, and so many ants is not another horror so film, although we could. So, <laughs> so many. That's ants. a short that really like fucked me up. That's a horror short. Yeah. So many ants. No. Too many, cooks? Uh, too many cooks. Oh, too many cooks yeah. is totally oh a horror God. short. Yeah. It deeply upset me. <laughs> I was I was working at my um at my day job when I was still doing overnights and so the first time that I saw it I was by myself in an office on a break watching it at like 4 in the morning and it <laughs> it like it it definitely I definitely had a horror response to yeah. it. I was I yeah. mean I, I enjoyed it but I I was like very unsettled especially the way that it that it evolves yeah. and changes. Yeah. It's and claustrophobic. You're like, am I ever going to get out of watching this? Is it ever yeah. going to end? Yeah. yeah. And the internet has made horror so easily accessible. And I mean that to say not just a streaming service like Shudder, but that exact scenario you're describing. Yeah. You might find yourself loading up too many cooks, having no idea what it is, and getting skull fucked by terror. Like, yeah. And there's yeah. something really personal about loading up a video on the internet and finding yourself in the throes of something that actually grabs you. Yeah. Which seems very, if not 2018, like then the last few years of any, that's what we're talking about, the, the era we're living in, right? You yeah. just open up a website and you're like, am I going to have 
a gut-churning response today. Mm. Yeah. By the way, just a complete marginalia, just because I read this, uh, I saw this on Twitter before we started recording, at the North Korean summit, Yeah. Uh, apparently North Korea has handed out to reporters little USB fans. No! And so somebody, it's like a fan, you plug into your USB and it'll cool you off. And they're, I, for, I forget who tweeted, but I, I RT'd them because it was just, it made me chuckle that there are probably some fucking assholes who were so offended by Hillary Clinton's uh, private server who are plugging that fucking thing into their oh computer. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just a fan. <laughs> Come on, guys, stay yeah. cool. I mean, if we What's can't trust North Korea, happen? who can we trust, right? Exactly. <laughs> Oh my God. The Russia, who's coming back to the G7, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Great. G8, excuse me. Well, it'll be seven, because we're not there. I mean, it's going to be. <laughs> we're just summarily kicked out they after They won't that. have to change the mugs. Yeah, they won't anything. need to remake the t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why is just that picture of Angela Merkel, like, <laughs> berating him that came out earlier yeah. this week. That was a real fucking litmus was... test, though, because there are uh, plenty of Trump supporters who were like, Look at him crossing his arms and standing up to the mean he looks old like globalist. like a baby who shat himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to drink, by the way. Anytime you reference bowel functions, someone <laughs> under six. It's true, though. That was the litmus test. You either want to be on one side of that chair yeah. or you want to be sitting in it, right? Yeah. It, it's, I and was you'll notice, that. too, his fucking smug smug orange face is not even looking at her he's like looking at one of the men because why would he even look at the woman who's towering over him right well no it's because like he's not physically attracted to her so she's oh, not yeah. a woman she doesn't even exist no come on anyway, anyway. you have to drink <laughs> we have <laughs> <laughs> so actually I love that the horror and the news are just intersecting as they have been this whole time they can't oh not be they can't not be well and that's part of why you know one again I was looking at all the properties, but trying to think of what makes this period in horror mm. so special. Why is it that so many incredible things are coming out? I mean, I have my list, but not since you made one. I'm very curious as to what's on your list of terms of like things that like have struck the best you. Movies. I actually, I, I went back to uh, 2014 because that to me is when this boom starts. I love that. Yeah, yeah, because looking at 2017, I only went back as far as 17, but I was surprised to see like. Happy Death Day and Prevenge, which I'd yeah, forgotten about. Prevenge. And Raw that is that year. I don't know that. Oh, it's a, oh. Sh- it's a Shutter exclusive. It is a yeah. Shutter exclusive. It's so good. It okay. came out in theaters very briefly, but yeah. Shutter like helped distribute it, and now it's on Shutter exclusively. Oh, like Run Don't Walk. It's so good. It's amazing. Right. So, and, and even something like Annabelle Creation. Yeah, I was thinking that like we're at a period of time where the thing- Ouija Origins. Like oh. all these fucking prequels that are so good. That are so fucking good. Ouija Origin of Evil blew my mind. Mike yeah. Flanagan in general blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, he's having a moment. Is, is that, that is that a creepy kid movie? Yes. yes. Okay, because Eric has a thing where if he sees a trailer. <laughs> no, I love this. If he sees a trailer with a creepy kid in it, he'll lean to whoever's next to him and go, they're probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's it is the, it is the the like bullseye combination to a creepy kid movie and just a movie where someone's mouth opens too big. That which really is like freaks such me a out. Thing That's right like now. from back in the Grudge days, where yeah. I was like, "Oh, I don't like that." Uh, uh, <laughs> grudge noise there. <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, what was it?" Um, like there was around the sometime in the in the mid nineties where there was some sort yeah. of like digital effect of like stretching. Yeah, and then there yes. were things like like the Black Hole Sun video where they were just yeah. sort of like, "We're gonna use this." Everywhere. I'm telling you, I was so superstitious as a kid where I thought I would watch VH1 in the mornings, where I thought if I saw the Black Hole Sun video before I left to school that it was going to be a bad day. Aww. <laughs> 
that video's a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As are a lot of their videos. Actually, yeah. Spoon Man is terrifying, too. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I have not gone back to that video for 20 years, and I'm realizing why, because I probably have, like, yeah. deep nightmare responses. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. Like, when yeah. Chris Cornell passed, I was like, maybe I'll watch the Black Hole Sun video, and I got, like, 45 seconds in, and I was yeah. like, I don't want this. Maybe I'll watch the videos from his solo career. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it, it, it is, it is very much like uh, the Black Hole Sun video, I think, it, it, for me especially, is, is representative of horror. And I just remember being in high school, and it would it would be something that would randomly come on to MTV at like two in the morning mm -hmm. and it would make me feel anxious. Yeah. And part Unsafe. of it was this, yeah, dread, like this um, stillness. And I, I, I wonder if that, um, I mean, dread is such a, such a common thread through like so much of mm -hmm. horror, like this. It's like the A24 brand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This ah. sense of, and I mean like part of, part of the, um, Part of horror in general, I think, like, and part of why it's so successful and can be told, and maybe why it, it like, every good story is a, a horror story, is that there there is some element of like trying to escape the inescapable, mm -hmm. yeah. and and like how like the the struggle to do that. You're 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 fighting off the death that you know is coming, no matter yeah. what. It's it's a, a big reason why uh, two pronged answer. Uh, or or follow up. Uh, uh, a, it's a reason why I think uh, for me, I, I, I <laughs> you will hear no no real critiques of Hereditary from me. I fucking loved it, but it did get less scary to me once we latched onto a plot. Agreed. When it yeah. started just with this nebulous dread that I did not know how to predict or contextualize in any way, it totally. really fucked me up. And also why uh, Prong Two. Why, to me, uh, David Lynch and uh, a lot of the Japanese filmmakers, and not even Japanese, but like, but like all the non-English speaking horror filmmakers, to me, make the most effective movies because I don't have, uh, in their case, I don't have cultural bearing to be able to like predict everything or contextualize everything. There is a, there's an uncanniness to it, uh, and I think David Lynch is, is the only American filmmaker I can think of who constantly just keeps you off balance because you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen? So you just have this dread but that never gets contextual. Like yeah. Everything's like loaded. Yeah, like, you know it's dangerous. Yeah. You have no idea why. Would, <laughs> would you include films in the new French Extremity in that? Because I know you saw they recently. I, or them, pardon. Uh, ils. Ils. Yeah, I, I even wonder if that should be counted as new French Extremity because it's oddly oh, sure. tame. It's oddly tame, uh, but I was not like, expecting it to be so tame. The the it hits a lot of the same beats as the rest of the films in the new Yeah, I don't. Does. I actually don't think I do feel that okay. way because I maybe it's just a Western culture thing. Like I sure. still feel like I have enough, uh, you know, uh, common denominators in the culture I was raised and the culture they were raised that like I'm like, oh, okay, this is a home invasion movie for sure. Right. But there are certain films in the new French extremity for me hmm. that. Like throw me off kilter, like Shaitan. Yeah. Um. Like that is a movie where like I couldn't really get a beat on it, and it's because so much of it rides on like certain cultures in the French countryside. Yeah. Hmm. Or like certain Giallo movies where I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Get a hook and Giallo is like a weird and it's so weird. Style yeah, because like even something. It. Yeah, even as something as like. Um, 
well known as Suspiria, mm -hmm. you still can't quite get like it's it's a slippery movie. Like you yeah. can't get your your hands the on it. The music makes no sense. The it's music makes no sense. Cyclical How bright the colors are yeah. in contrast to the story. Makes How no bright sense. the murders are. Yeah. Yes. That was one of the things that freaked me out about it watching it as mm. a kid. That first murder with the heart stabbing uh -huh. is like mm -hmm. with like neon blood. Yeah. yeah. There's just nothing about that. It's, up. it's the reddest red you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Do you, do you guys have in your memory like a particular moment, whether it was like, you're, I'm too young to be watching this or whatever, like some image or scene in a film that like sticks with you as like something that 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 gave you those like horror feelings of mm -hmm. like dread or, or like uh, uh, opening up to kind of like all of these emotions that we've been talking about? If we're dealing with dread specifically, like, the, the Suspiria murder was a big one for me in terms of, mm. like, distress and disturbing. I think I saw that when I was 14, and that <laughs> really messed me up. But dread-wise, uh -huh. I remember renting Session 9 oh, wow. from a oh, blockbuster, yeah. <laughs> yeah. having zero idea what it was, never saw the trailer. My friends and I were on a horror movie kick, and we went into my basement, and that sequence where Brendan Sexton III is in the hallway and it's all lit by the dangling lights that they've hung and they're going out one by one yeah. as he runs down them screaming at the top of his lungs. That did it. I was a wreck after <laughs> that sequence. Sure. And I think we... <coughs> drink. We, no, drink. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good. Drink again. <coughs> Actually, yeah. No, I have to drink twice. Shit. Yeah, just keep Tap drinking. one of my rolls too. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Okay, yeah. No, that would be it. That, that's mine. What does yeah. everybody else have? Um, mine's not so much like a moment in a movie, but like being a very young child and being in a blockbuster and seeing certain covers of sure. that was my answer that have stuck with me to this yeah. day. One that I actually just recently watched because it's on Shutter, and it was the cover of a movie from the early '80s called Dead and Buried. Yes, Dan O'Bannon, writer of Alien. Yes, no shit. Yeah, it's Starbeast. The cover is what I, as a very young child, and I still think of it today. It looks like the face of Lady Liberty. Yeah, coming mm. out from the sand. And mm. Dead and Buried is written in a font that's very much like the font on, like, a dollar bill. Oh. And it just stuck in my memory because it takes up the whole cover. is just this face in profile out of the sand. And for some reason, it's so ominous. Yeah, yeah. And it made me so uncomfortable that when I saw it on Shudder, I'm like, I'm going to find out what this shit's about today. It's and it's really good. It yeah. has a young, um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? You have to drink. You have to drink <laughs> twice. You know, I interrupted you earlier, but you have to drink. I took a big sip. I I, I, I started watching um, horror movies of one form or another um, way too young, just like as a result of hanging out with like older cousins and you know, like mm. that kind of like fairly yeah. normal thing. And um, my brother, and, my brother and I would like write stories when we were little kids and they were always these like weird like murder stories. I think the one that we both worked on separately uh, was called Psycho Santa. And, <laughs> and that's, and that's uh, what it was. And my mom uh, was very, uh, was very uh, sort of troubled by it, but also impressed that we were spelling psycho correctly. Nice. So it, 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 it ended up being a wash. Yeah. Um, that said, there are two that come to mind, like two moments in films that aren't really, that aren't scary Films, yeah, but just like 
like images or like sequences yeah. that like really hit me hard. One is um, there's a there's a scene in um, the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Where, where, like, yes. where, 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 um, where some, you know, ne'er do well, some hood, mm. yeah. um, shoots a dog, like, shoots like a poodle. Damn. And it, like, gutted me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had, like, dreams about it. And, um, the second is, was in, um, uh, uh, Child's Play 3. The jumping on the grenade? The jumping yeah, on that the grenade. Yeah, that fucked me up, too fucked me yeah. up and i think some of it had to do with like the like i, I the like injustice of it yeah. the like, it was like a and, sacrifice. The, and the sacrifice and this uh, with that one this sense of like the thought of like knowing that knowing knowing what's going to happen yeah. like like knowing that you're going to die and yeah. it being like it was a, a very like final sort of feeling watching that happen and like yeah. that's what death is and it's really it's funny like I, I actually watched the in the last I don't know two years I've rewatched it and the movie's like so obviously bad. so stupid <laughs> it's so dumb although the, the roller coaster sequence at the right. end is thrilling from um, a fucking pop up carnival that like mm-hmm. just blows into town and sets yep. up an entire six flags classic <laughs> um, but but it's funny that even watching the silliness of that I had a little bit of like a flat, like I felt the yeah. little kid feeling when that thing happened. And I was like, why did I watch this when I was like, I mean, I was like seven or something. Um, and it really stuck with me. And I think honestly, to this day, that is still one of the things that I have a visceral response to when, yeah. when a similar kind of thing um, uh, happens. I had, I had, several of those foundational moments uh, th- and they all kind of are related to I remember uh, being very young and my mom was watching Alien on the TV mm. uh, I forget if it was a rental or if it was somehow airing or something like that and I started watching some of it I was very small uh, and then went to bed and I remember having to get up out of bed and go back out to the living room and and tell her I have to see the end of this because otherwise I won't be able to sleep mm. like, I have to know how they beat the monster uh, so I had enough wherewithal of like story structure to know that like the monster's gonna get beaten, right? I have to I have to see how that happens. But I think the most effective ones that stuck with me were the ones that I couldn't contextualize like right. that. Like I I grew up in the desert, uh, and so storm clouds can be very ominous and they can come up very suddenly. And I remember the the covers to uh, Fright Night and Return of the Living Dead sure. have these like swarming yes. clouds. And that's like what a monsoon looks face. like mm-hmm. with yeah. the death face in it. Uh, or fucking, uh, I remember. Serpent in the Rainbow was the one for me. Oh, yeah. oh, Serpent oh in the my God. Yeah. Yeah. Is oh. it the cover with like Bill Pullman with the coffin? With, like, yeah. In the, yeah. In yeah. the wood slats. Um, oh, my God. Right. Fucking uh, uh, Carrie did that to me. I remember. Uh, uh, and I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm going to have to drink because I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Is, uh, is uh, to, mentioning to, Stephen yeah. King one mm-hmm. of the rules? And he's there it King is. Property is one of them. Uh, or the name Stephen King. It was one of my uh, rules, too. Yeah. So everybody drink again. Everybody drink again. Uh, did it. But I'm a massive uh, uh, popular horror writer from Maine fan, uh, <laughs> like like an obsessive consumer of of his output. Uh, I love Owen King's dad. He's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Naomi King's dad, the tops. Joe King, Joe King, 
Mm. Mm. Uh, Joseph Hillstrom King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No, I, uh, I we go way back. Uh, but but uh, and I was because I was raised by a horror obsessive, so like we always had his books around, and it was always a. Uh, my mom was very. <laughs> this will make my mom sound like she wasn't a, a great disciplinarian. Uh, well, maybe she wasn't a great disciplinarian. Uh, uh, but she tried. Uh, but but she was very much uh, uh, of the school of thought of if you think you can handle it, try it. Uh, and you know, kind of, kind of laissez-faire in that uh, regards of like, yeah. it, it could fuck you up, but if you think you're up for being fucked up, then uh, go ahead and read it. Uh, and uh, so I started reading him very young, uh, but before I had ever read him, and before uh, I really knew what the story was about, I remember seeing uh, VHS covers of Carrie and the VHS back of Carrie that had like you know little little squares of of photos from Her the movie covered in blood almost yeah. certainly yeah of John Travolta uh, and i it was just John Travolta uh, <laughs> and and the woman from Robocop oh my RoboCop. god you're in blood oh, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, and Chris McNeil uh, uh, but but i remember being like probably 6 or 7 or something like that and talking to Carrie White in my living room just being afraid and knowing enough about the plot. So I would like literally talk out loud, like, yeah. please don't hurt me. I want to be your friend. I'll be your friend. We can be friends together. Just please don't hurt me. I would be like saying this out into the air yeah. uh, as I was as I was frightened for my life. Uh, uh, but nothing scarred me worse than uh, two words. Large Marge. <gasps> yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Sh- not just I ran out of the room. Not just Large Marge. I found Pee Wee Herman himself <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> yeah, just like this adult deal? man being a child. I just never liked him. And mm-hmm. like if we're going on like super childhood fears and things that aren't otherwise supposed to be scary, when I was a little kid, like I was obsessed with the Little Mermaid, but I was so scared of Ursula. Oh, yes, and the people, the kept people. I would run like my the the way that I grew up was that my my mom and I and my dad lived on the second floor of a two family, and my grandmother lived on the first floor. So I would go down to my grandmother's house when my parents were at work when I was very little. And we would watch like the animated movies, yeah. and I would remember running into my grandmother's room and hiding <laughs> when like poor unfortunate souls would come up. Yeah, like, and now I'm like, that song's a banger. Like, I love that <laughs> song. But like, song in the whole movie. Hell yeah! But like, as a four year old, I was like, yeah. no, like aggressively no. But I kind of like got into that feeling a little bit where like sort of you start peeking out a little bit more. I'm like, how much of this can I really stand yeah. before like? The nightmares kick in. Yeah, and that's the that's the best thing about horror. I think like I think those sort of experiences prime you to be a horror fan Absolutely. because horror is it's the it's the spicy foods of of movie genres. Like it it hurts it hurts to watch, and it's this adrenaline rush, and it's this feeling of of discomfort and unease. It's not it's not supposed to be a pleasant experience, but you start getting hooked to that feeling of. Of that, like that masochistic bent of like, I want to make myself fucking scared of the corner and scared of the shadows, uh, and and you know see see the hereditary cult yeah. working Oof. in my apartment. Well, and it's interesting too. Like one thing that I think so much about regarding a certain type of horror experience is when you see a movie that you're like, this is 
brilliant and I love everything about it, mm-hmm. and I never want to see it again. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I've never, you know, I don't. The feel requiem another, for a dream feeling. Requiem for a dream. Um, um, irreversible. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, irreversible. And and also uh, uh, speaking of irreversible, um, which was the first, the first movie, not the last, but the first movie that I ever saw that I was like, I I don't know if I can take this yeah where that i really like racer head that was that for me okay yeah i, was like, I might yeah. Really turn this off yeah it's fine. um and i remember some getting into like a lot of uh conversations at the time with other people who saw it and really didn't like it and um for people who are unfamiliar with the film it's it's just a really brutal film about um rape and revenge and um it brings up a lot of really interesting questions about like art and what like what is expected of it like because mm-hmm. i remember some people saying you know that it was too intense and that it, it was too dark and and i was like so you're saying that you want rape to be lighter <laughs> you right? know if um, it was a more, much more light if it was six minutes instead of eight minutes i yeah, think it would have yeah been fine, right? really, like like, like yeah. no like it's gonna be brutal and and i'm, I'm just like really fascinated by right. that and it's one of the reasons that i i mean that's like at the top of my list of 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 movies that I think are just masterpieces that I, I I don't care to revisit, and it's because of of there's like truth in that in that depiction that's kind of uncompromising. And, and this is leading me to a thought that 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 ties us back to 2018 because one of the films that came out this year that has stuck with me in a big way is a film called Revenge that is a French yeah. film that feels to me like it can't exist without Irreversible. And the broad way to put it without spoiling it is it's kind of the feminist response to that film. Mm. It hits a lot of the beats that Irreversible does. It is about rape. It is about revenge. But it takes a very specific specific Ooh. that's the captain's that's... daughter IPA kicking in to a T to specific uh, it, it takes a very specific stance on that and what's interesting is and it shouldn't be surprising but we started talking about horror now and instantly all went to our childhoods yeah. which is so yeah. fucking yeah. horror of us about death. Yeah, yeah it's where we first learned about death it's where our first fears get realized and it makes me think that Horror is in timeline throughout our lives, whether you're a fan of the oh, genre or not, God, right? You yeah. have you have those first experiences. And what I'm curious about is like how do the films we're talking about from our childhoods tie to the ones we're viewing now? Because we're talking about this era being so great. Like yeah. how are those those weird through lines of like you have an irreversible kind of leading to revenge? Do you have Serpent and the Rainbow leading to something? Or I mean, it's the clearest example given that we remade the damn thing. Yeah. But it it was interesting to to well, see it's barely a horror movie. Barely a horror movie. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> That's agree. My actually, yeah, yeah, not not a, really not a horror yeah. movie. The first five minutes is a horror. Yeah, film. And, and then and then they just repeat. The same structure over and over again, and Unless it becomes. Unless you're a scared of movie. clowns, and then it is very scary. Yeah, Hello. I, I can Hi. see that. Hello. Yeah. Well, one thing you're on the air. One thing that I feel like. <laughs> thank you, Fraser. <laughs> one thing Folks. that I, I, I feel like is a um, is a persistent um, thing in the genre that uh, that I mean I I think not. Um, can probably speak to maybe more competently than anybody because I think a lot of it begins as does a lot of just like 
modern the modern conception of horror. We're going to say World Lovecraft. Yeah, basically, basically. H.P. Lovecraft is a very World War One reactionary writer, and and that is this. And I think it's part of the reason why something like uh, It Follows, for example, is so successful, is this sense of like, I mean, again, something pursuing you that is inescapable, but also like unknown force, mm -hmm. like like being like the, the I mean, the very human, uh, I mean, almost like Faustian, like desire yeah. to know what you can't and being like terrified by the incomprehensible uh, it's that, forces at work. It's that physical feeling of wanting to jump when you're up too high. Because mm. you're like, I yeah. just want to know what that feels like to jump. I physically want to experience that. And then your rational brain's like, don't do that. It's <laughs> yeah. a really bad idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, uh, is, which is what I felt the whole time I was sitting in Hereditary, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. But yeah. I have to know. And I have to understand why it is that I want to know, even though my body is telling me to leave. Which it's, let's oh sorry. Oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry. It's um it's kind of like we were talking about this after the movie. Um it's what Nat said about like this movie is unsafe. Like I am not safe yeah. being here. Even though like we are cognizant of the fact that we're sitting in a theater. Like when you feel unsafe and like I'll spoiler spoiler alert again. When Charlie's head gets unceremoniously lopped off her body 40 minutes into the movie, if that. Which is also a great misdirect because at that time you think that maybe she's going to die of anaphylactic shock. Yeah. yeah. Or alternately, when you think she's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. Like you're yeah. like, this is a creepy she kid is, movie. She's set up yeah. the entire time. And like that's the great thing about Hereditary is that it is set up in several different ways yeah. to be several different movies. And yeah. it subverts all of them. But like. We all have to drink. Subvert. It's a vert. It is not. It is not the word subvert. That would be a great role. Yeah, that'd be dangerous for the four of us fuckers. Metatextuals. Anytime a word on the SAT is, gets mentioned by someone, you have to drink. Pneumothorax. <laughs> Facetious. Goodness gracious. Um, but it, it's it makes you realize that like if this movie's gonna kill a kid. Yeah. So quickly, and then show her fucking head. And then show head. her fucking head for like almost a minute. Yeah. Just you're gonna sit here and look at it. Look at the ants on her face. Yeah, yeah. study it. Drink. Study it. We're not going away. Everybody yeah. drink yeah. ants. Have <laughs> mm -hmm. to drink not for me too. That, oh god, no. Not only that, but like the reaction shot in the movie that's so confrontational of um, the son David. What's his name? Peter? Peter. 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 Sorry. Peter. Um, Who is also the name of the dead brother, right? Is that right? Oh. I think so. I'm trying to remember. Because I, I remember trying to remember the names from the, the obituary. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I shit. feel like it's either the name of the dead brother or like... The dead dad. The, yeah. Name and of... you know what's really interesting about that? He, that dead dad, dead brother, might have been the first target for... Oh, yeah. Clement. Right? Yeah. She keeps trying to, she keeps trying to pass well, people into him. She keeps trying to get into male bodies. I'm yeah. sure you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about it either, but I'm going, that's absolutely... The, you, you mean her brother? 
Yeah. yeah, the yeah. brother who killed himself because he said his mom kept trying to put bodies into him. Right. Yeah. 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 There it is. Yep. It might have been unrelated. Might have been. And she also totally. was just like running like that's, a fancy dick. Like, <laughs> it's a MacGuffin. Or, it's fine. It's yeah. the body horror spinoff. Like, when we get into the hereditary <laughs> cinematic like, universe. Yeah, let's not overreact. I'm God. sure it was completely. <laughs> totally unrelated. <laughs> but I mean, to, to continue on about like feeling unsafe in a movie, like when like in hereditary when the accident happens and when Peter is going up the stairs and as a as a film fan you're trained to think that he is going to go in and he's going to confess everything to his parents and like yeah. in my mind I was like that's going to be the most gut-wrenching scene and I do not want to see that and then I don't get to see that and it's a hundred times her worse screams, <laughs> her screams to me were worse than the head like yeah. her screams off camera looking in the car and we're just holding on fucking Peter's face. And not yeah. only that, but later on in the movie when she goes to cavalierly explain what she saw, which yeah. is like, and then you see the body and it doesn't have a head. And I mean, the body's just covered in black. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. stop describing it and to I, me. Yeah. Like, you start having these fucking, I mean, this is what, what great stories do, is you start having even like these just marginalia discussions in your head as you're watching the movie of like, anytime she leaves the house, she's probably scarred for life because she's just going to be expecting to like stumble upon another unknown like, horror does she so have to get back in, in that the... car yeah yeah and and, and to your po- and to your point too like that was the i keep wondering why this movie is so traumatizing and i was messaging with a friend as i was headed into the city today and hearing you guys talk makes me think one of the things that that film does in a very low key way is gets you used to things Loki. low Thor Ragnarok no. uh, one of the things it does is it gets you used to things that horrify you. Like, that beheading is arguably the first moment where that film drops in and Mm -hmm. devastates you. Yeah. And by the end, you're surrounded by headless bodies, and that's become the norm. It keeps finding ways to make the thing that terrified you the new normal, and then re-upping on what's awful, which is, like, 2018 in a nutshell. I am way less terrified of seeing the headless body than I am of the naked man in the shadows that oh, I can God. only see his smile. Yeah. I would rather look at the headless body. For, for days. But even even before the head, there, there there's just so many wonderful um, touches that still kind of, like, set you just, like, just a little bit off the, the threads of it to, to, yeah. to make you feel uneasy. Um, the fact that... Charlie is always like eating a piece of candy like when she's mm-hmm. looking at her dead grandma when she's cutting off the head of the bird when she's like assembling her little like um her little like found object piece um there's uh, a there's a uh, loathsomeness to her and I'm going to drink now because yeah. yeah no and actually we we often drink of like oh. three times cuz oh goodness I rule I have yeah. I'm retconning it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a loathsomeness to her, like um, as with Carrie, like and 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 it's 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 an interesting like, and it's great because it seems it seems kind of normal and not normal at the same time. Yeah. Like you can be like, oh well, I understand why the parents like are not worried about like, oh you're at your grandmother's funeral like and you're eating you're you're fine do yeah. your thing you're a kid yeah but there's something very unsettling yeah. about the sort of like calm uh the calmness of that that uncanny uh, sort of feeling of like I don't 
like yeah something about this I don't like yeah and uh, and for 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 the big reveals and the like like uh, like graphic or like really gut punching static shots following the otherwise like very fluid camera work mm-hmm. um, there are so many uh, ways like that um, like her 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 uh, at the funeral and cutting the, the like those other activities that that keep a that are constantly raising the temperature just degree by degree as that is also happening. Yeah, I, I love. and like if if we're talking about cultural threads and childhood threads and stuff like that, I I, I think ultimately all horror, all effective horror, comes down to a very universal uh, feeling of. Uh, do I want to know more? Like right. that is that is the story of the twentieth century. The st- like like yeah, I will fucking go to World War One. I'll go there, Eric. Uh, World War One <laughs> was was a was a study in uh, uh, military tactics that were that started born in a older technique in, a, in an older school of like I mean there were fucking stories of like French soldiers going out in their Napoleonic outfits and then getting mowed down by machine guns because when World War one started we were in a we were in a much more archaic mindset and then our uh, the the fucking adversaries in that war were like hi technology I'm gonna use this to kill you and then we were like oh we should adapt to technology and use technology to kill them. Uh, and then, like that, that started this path, and I shouldn't even say started that path because we've been on that path since we fucking first struck a flintstone and 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 created fire. But but especially with World War One, that started us on a path down to down to you know mustard gas, and then Zyklon B, and then the fucking atomic bomb, and like that that has infected our species from its very from its very conscious beginnings of. I just want to know a little bit more, and I know this knowledge might be destructive, yeah. but I just want to know a little bit more. And what does this do? And what will happen if I do this? And then you look around and you're like, I could fucking end the world with this sort of and, knowledge. And so much of that goes back to like, I mean, and this is this is hereditary uh, relevant because mm. of the all the Iphigenia stuff. Yeah. But like, it goes back to like, First myths and Western yeah. mythology. It's like it's Pandora's box. It's, it's Prometheus. It's Orpheus. It's I'm like, giving it's, you fire, and now yeah. I'm fucking damned. Yeah. And, and maybe to your point too, which well, I I'm not thought about this until I heard you say this is maybe the narrative of the 20th century. But maybe this is why horror is so interesting in the 21st century. We've gone from the need to know more and mm-hmm. the desire to the I wake up and I must know more because it's inevitable. Right. Like you wake up, you're going to click on a site, you're going to get a little bit of news. And so horror is an engagement that happens whether you want to or not, because you've got a smartphone, you are plugged in. It doesn't matter. You are already in the world of horror. And so what we are engaging with is like, as as I was thinking, maybe like a gut check with our reality, Yeah. Yeah. which is part of why hereditary hits so hard. So since we got four minutes and 27 seconds on the clock, I think we are, there's so much more to say. We may have to do a second episode. I would do a second episode. I would love to do a second episode. I think we're going to do a second episode. (laughs) I literally think we are going to do a second episode about this. Take that, Infinity Wars. Boom! You're up next, Patrick and Rachel. Clock's been set. But uh, I want to do the reveal of the rules and give you guys a chance to plug whatever you guys are doing. So let's let's share what was making us drink, because this actually did happen several times. So, yeah, we were all kind of cool about it, too. We are just like, yeah, drink. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, drink, was, by the way. There was no yelling. It was nice. Uh, 
So here were here were mine. Here were the ones that, that got us. So one of the, my favorite ones was A Quiet Place, which if there's an awkward bit of silence, the first one to break it drinks. <laughs> that happened to you, Sarah, and myself. Nice. Um, anytime a superlative is attached to hereditary, anytime mm. someone says that moment when or that scene when. <laughs> Whoops. Um, mine are so bad, guys. And anytime someone mentioned their favorite horror film by name, which we didn't really get into favorites. We got into impactful ones, but not like favorites. My favorite is Martyrs drink <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the ones that I don't think I'll ever be able to watch again yeah no I almost mentioned it oh, several times new French wave I mean my god yeah. I think it's actually Belgian though oh is it oh yeah so is raw yeah damn I think of them both as being French I'm an asshole <laughs> but no Martyrs is brought up in uh, Alexandra West's book about the new French extremity because it is a French language yeah one. yeah Alex West is awesome by the way follow her on Twitter I love damn her straight. very much um, I, 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 mine were whenever Nat mentioned Stephen King. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was really, I was really hoping that Sarah was going to say Bonkers, and she said Wowzers, and I thought rule. about changing it on the spot, and, and but then I was like, no, I'll, I'll stick to the rules I made, and I. I, I, this was a Hail Mary and it didn't pan out. I was like, if Scott mentions a musical artist who I've never heard of. Oh, that's a um, great Hail Mary, though. And, and, <laughs> and it didn't end up happening. We got close and then, the and then there was one like, yeah. related to, um, like, gross or disturbing eating. So that's why with Charlie and uh, the candy bars and also the ants. Yes, um, legit. Yeah. yeah. The ones that I have, um, the only one that we hit was if A24 is mentioned and not got it. You're welcome. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> um, the other ones that I had were um, if the boys react poorly to me not seeing a movie because that has happened many, many times. <laughs> I had that as mine too. <laughs> I called it the oh come on rule. <laughs> if anyone yells at Sarah for not having seen something. <laughs> no, because like I've had so many conversations with Nat. The one that sticks out uh, very much so is when I had said I'd never seen uh, Let the Right One In and he told me Oh, that come I... on. No, I have since seen it, but you told me that our friendship would be over if I didn't see it within the week when I had that conversation Ooh, with you. What an asshole. Yeah, that's you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. um, um, if, now I know. If Nat referenced my dislike of It Follows, I was going to make him drink. <laughs> <laughs> I would have um, drank already. Um, if any of the boys mentioned that their partners do not like horror, I was going to make them drink. Um, and if Eric mentions baseball, I was going to make yeah. him drink. Didn't get to it. Solid. Didn't get to it. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Uh, mine were if anybody said my wife without using a Borat voice. <laughs> uh, which Eric did. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, any reference to Stephen King? Uh, oh, come on. Uh, uh, anytime Thank you. someone yells at Sarah. Uh, and anytime I cough. Because uh, I have a cold, and uh, <laughs> do it again. Yeah, we got a drink. So, there we go. And that was not fake. So with the fifty-five seconds, we like guys quickly plug oh. what you got going on. Um, I don't have anything going on currently, but if you found me remotely interesting on the show, um, my Twitter handle is at Sarah the Caller. Um, I like to live tweet award shows, and sometimes my own anxiety-ridden breakdowns. Not can attest to that. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Eric, not anything? I got nothing. <laughs> I'm writing my next book. Uh, you can buy my previous book, Steal the Stars, at bookstores anywhere. Or download the podcast, Steal the Stars. It's a great time for your ears. Yeah, you really should do that. Uh, if you're in the New York area, I got 10 Bones Theater Company shows coming up on June 28th at Videology, Silence of the Lambs, June 30th, Last Del Close Marathon, James Bond, Entirely from Memory. Other than that, I want to thank these guys for being here. Follow us at On the Rails Pod, Instagram, Twitter. We out. Thank you for riding the rails with us. Check you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east.
I say, don't you know? Yes! No, you won't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been found Take out, Queens of the Stone out. Age! <laughs>